0: Hello and welcome to the Recursive Podcast. Our next guest found entrepreneurship driven by her mission to help people and to solve problems. While looking for clinical trial for her sister diagnosed with a medical condition, Maya Zvotanova saw the need for a platform that helps patients look for alternative treatment. This is how Find Me Cure was born. The company is now bringing research closer to patients by developing tools for patients and providing analytics to the healthcare industry. Think of it as the Google for clinical trials. Maya Zotanova, thank you for being on the recursive podcast.
1: Thank you for having me Gary. Uh,
0: it's a, it's an amazing journey that you had inspired by something so personal, like your family, uh, that brought you into um, clinical research and finding your own business uh, in related to this, to this issue, but uh, what Sparked your entrepreneurial drive? Was it something before that that happened?
1: I think I always had some kind of entrepreneurial spirit, one way or another. Uh, maybe my my sense of, um, like, my sixth sense of like not giving up and doing what's right, basically, uh, always uh, drove me further. Um, I was always thinking, even before that, uh, before starting Find Me Cure, uh, not about the problems, but the solutions, trying to figure out the solutions. And actually, Find Me Cure is not my first company. I had a previous uh, try with another company, which was more of a consultancy, but uh, it I, kind of like, I had it like in in me that I wanted to start something and build something. I can't say I always dreamed of developing a business business, but I just wanted to create something.
0: Mm, How did you realize that you're good at finding solutions and not uh, being a a, a paralysis analysis on on problems?
1: I'm still discovering that if you ask me. (laughs) I can't say that anyone can just go out and say loud, I'm good at finding solutions. I think I was actually listening to a podcast uh, lately or it was actually an audio book. I don't remember the the title, but they uh, they said something like, uh, you become good at entrepreneurship, the moment you start creating ideas all day long, like all the time, eventually you come up with an idea that's a really good one. Mm. But most of the ideas maybe won't work. So I guess that uh, my drive in thinking about solutions wherever wherever I go, identifying problems and thinking about solutions, uh, is actually one of the reasons why I decided to move in that direction.
0: Will you please describe in a couple of sentences how this idea came to life? The idea of Find Me Cure. Mm -hmm. I mean, this personal situation drove you into finding solutions.
1: Yep. So it's a long story, but we have time. (laughs) I promise (laughs) it's a long story. But um, yeah, it's um, I think that uh, having a personal story behind a business uh, makes a lot of sense because uh, starting a business is a very hard thing. A lot of people start because they think it's trendy, it's cool and they just want to do it and yay, I'm going to become a millionaire, a billionaire, you know. Uh but in reality, starting a business is super hard, I think. And if you have something um really personal, something that reminds you why you're doing that, uh that keeps you going all the time, no matter what challenges are in front of you. Um in our case, uh, yes, first it all started with my um with my um with my need to find an alternative treatment for my sister. Um, With my family, we were struggling uh, to find something that that can help her out uh, because her condition does not have a traditional standard of care, so to say. And um, that was the first time when I was, that was actually the uh, the reason, uh, actually when I found the problem. The reason uh, for starting Phymecure was actually some, something completely different. It's a very funny story, though. Um, me and my co-founders, my co-founders and I, we, we were traveling from Austria back from snowboarding. And um, I remember with my one of my co-founders, uh, he's also uh, my partner in life. Um, he was uh, challenging me uh, to go to a competition. Um, of Singularity University and pitch an idea which is about how can we solve a problem that can save at least one million people's lives and we were kind of like joking uh, I'm going to pitch such an idea and I'm going to win and he was like no I'm going to win and in the end we were literally re- like uh, coming from a maybe 24 hours drive or let's say 18 hours uh, Mm -hmm. drive from Austria and I know I have five hours left in order to submit the the video pitch. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to win because I have no idea like what to pitch, Uh, but I'm pretty sure that uh, I can win the bet just because I'm going to at least submit the video and he's not going to do it, right? (laughs) So here I am in front of the, like the, my laptop, uh, like makeup here and like dressed with my pyjama de- there. And um, I was like, okay, what, what am I to pitch? How can I save one million people's lives? And then this idea came just like that, like a sparkle, really. I was like, okay, well, if I am to help more people like me and like my sister, I'm sure that there will be at least one million people that can benefit from this information from finding an alternative treatment and i pitched that they very much liked it i was on the on the finals and then the story yeah moves on
0: wow <laughs> uh, i'm a huge admirer of peter Diamandis's work so uh didn't know didn't know this part of your uh, your story um actually it's uh it's a great underestimation of the problems that we're having uh that that you basically can help one million people with solving your own problem mm. people that tend to look for ideas that are hypothetically going to help someone but uh, looking to your Im- immediate environment is uh, is a great way to, uh, great way forward you you have um a background of history geography mm. and then did a master's in international business um how does having such a broadscape of knowledge help you
1: um, I don't know to be honest. <laughs> um, I don't think that uh so actually I ended up with uh, history and geography. It wasn't my desire, let's put it that way. Uh it was by mistake or maybe it was destiny, I don't know. <laughs> Some people might say it was destiny. Um but what helped me going through history and geography was um actually learning what failure is. Because before Uh, starting uh, geography in history, it's another interesting story but let's say that before that I was in my uh, high school years, Uh, before that uh, school, I was always the achiever. At least that's how I felt maybe I haven't been such an achiever but at least that's how I felt. I always achieved whatever I wanted and one day uh, I was um, uh, applying for uh, the university uh, I was very stubborn that I'm going to to be in Sofia University, and I wanted to to be international um, international relations. Uh, and I was so sure that I'm going to be there because I was always like high grader. Um, yeah, applying with German and history, I had great, uh, uh, very good grade um, at history, so I was just uh, waiting for my grade in, in Germany and, and like my German, uh, not in Germany, but in German. Yeah. And my German is like really, really good. Not anymore so much, but it used to be. And I had actually, uh, for for the Bulgarian grades, uh, like two, basically the lowest grade. Mm-hmm. Which was like wow what how how did did this happen really that was a very 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 um big uh, shock for me for me for my family for for everyone and it turned out that it was a mistake actually mistake that was done by the university back then but again i'm not going to tell you this but this mistake was the best lesson that i've learned that sometimes you achieve things sometimes you fail but it's not important whether you fail or achieve, it's important do you move on. So that's how history and geography helped me. And then the next time when history and geography helped me was uh, I was, um, um, when we identified it was a a, a mistake, uh, the university told me that I can go back to uh, international relations after the second year. And that was the plan. But then I went to the States uh, it was, again, a coincidence. And I did um, door, door-to-door selling there. And when I came back, I saw the, the American culture. I saw how people are deciding on what to, to study there. I knew that I don't know what I want to learn, what, what I want to do for my, like for, mm-hmm. like for my professional career. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, maybe I, I should stick with history and geography. And meanwhile, I can try and find a job, actual job. So that I can see what it's like to, to work. And that's actually what helped me a lot. Mm. To be able to study and work and actually see the difference. And uh, I know that uh, Sophia University, some departments are trying, are doing their best to connect business and, um, and uh, the university, but in majority of cases, that's not the case. So that was actually my winning bet that I mm. chose for myself to go in like this direction and get some actual experience, professional one.
0: There are two two stories that I want to go deeper into. Mm-hmm. The first one is uh, basically, is success uh, the, the sole achievement or the failure that makes you realize that you need to stand up the stuff and continue and do it again. So persevering through other failures uh, because um, this is something that I'm thinking on uh, in the last couple of weeks. But like is it the success the real achievement or the way to through failures to achieving something that's yeah it's um, just a, a checkpoint mm. it's it's not an end an, and an mm-hmm. destination
1: i will answer more philosophically here i think it's none of the the, the two options that you gave me uh, i think nowadays that uh, success is the ability to realize and be grateful for what you are at the very same moment, to, to actually appreciate the moment, thats success, because it's so difficult to do it. And I like, believe it, for me, it's very difficult for a, for a person always looking at the problems and the solutions, always looking at the future. It's even more um, difficult, but I think that's the real success because if you are able to be grateful for where you are and what you're doing and who you are at the moment, you will definitely be even in a better place tomorrow
0: yeah that's a great great answer um more or less finding me cures evolving process included a lot of iterations and Mm. pivots would you take us through this because now having in mind this mindset that you have about like doing something does it work no okay let's try another thing how did you include this in your development development of your company
1: the hard way <laughs> by by doing a lot of uh, mistakes and um learning from them and moving forward um, yeah, um I'm not coming uh, I, I was actually thinking about this uh after listening to uh, uh, an interview from one of uh, uh the local entrepreneurs, so I'm not coming from a background from like a big corporation. What I've seen, what mm. they're doing, and basically doing the the mistakes and like the wins and losses uh, uh, on the back of another, someone else. Um, maybe my curiosity drove me to starting something. Uh, maybe early, maybe not. I'm I'm not sure. But um, um, being able to to be humble enough. And say, well, I did a mistake. That was the first thing. That's uh, that. That's the first thing. That's super important to be humble enough to just commit that. Yes, you did a mistake, and maybe you should go back and uh, rethink like your actions, not your actions only, your decisions, um, and also think about um, what are, how did you contribute to the to to the failure, for example. And when I say failure, don't get me wrong. I mean that's not like a problem for me. Like there are many failures, right? Because many, many people, when, when they hear about failure, they think, oh, you're like down because of that. No, for me, failure is a, it's a lesson. It's a hard lesson, but it is a lesson, right? So um, going back and doing this retrospective, what did you do? How did you contribute to this failure? Uh, sometimes you think it's someone else's fault, but how did you contribute to, some, to someone else's fault? Maybe you trust this guy too much or I don't know. Like, Not enough. Not enough, exactly, or not enough, exactly. Um, You you haven't been so convincing, for example. Um, You didn't do the proper research. You weren't so patient, for example. Many, many Mm. different aspects. And um, I think with the time, what we got um, better at was just identifying the failures much quicker than that previous. When we started with my co-founders, we we want we we kind of like gave more time to really validate or not validate. Now because we're a lot more um, aware, let's say of the science, we we try to shorten the time we wait to see a, a validation or not. And um, in order to do that, you need to have a very go- very good experimental plan. Basically, have the metrics in front. What do you need to measure? in front, um, like, uh, at the end of your experiment, Mm -hmm. so that you know that's a success or it's not a success. And I still think there is room for improvement, actually not still, we have a lot of room for for improvement in that Mm -hmm. regard, but I think being um, upfront with what are the metrics you're going to measure, are these metrics really relevant, uh, and at the end of the, like the, the, the experiment, uh, be humble enough to say, okay, well, I followed my plan or I didn't do the plan properly uh, or I did it properly. But the metrics show that this is not the right thing. It's really important. Mm.
0: If you have to put a number on how many times did you change the idea from the initial one? What number would you put?
1: Mm, I can't say we changed it that many times. Um, actually from the start to now we've pivoted once, uh, but there are so many different ideas that were in the background, basically. So, and I can't give a number. Mm -hmm. I think that all day, all day long I'm coming up with, with new and new ideas in order to optimize. And you know what? I, I, I feel like this is a, like a process, like almost like if you're a mouse and there is a pot on top of, on top of you. And it, they're like, someone's making the pot, let's say hot mm-hmm. and you're trying to escape, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you're trying to find what's like the, the best road, the, the the best exit for you to escape. It's the same thing with the startup. You have a runway, you have time and this time is running, right? So you need to find the the right direction the quicker, uh, mm. the, quickest, the be- like the better uh, the quicker the better basically mm-hmm. and that's how i feel like looking at different exit directions and thinking okay well let's go this way and yeah is that the right way and then moving forward
0: yeah i i just have a, a question re- in regards to when looking for non-stop improvement sometimes people are getting um, they 're losing the focus, and they stop moving forward in order to move sideways. So how do you manage to balance these things? Mm. I mean when you 're constantly looking for ways to improve some things sometimes you 're just stopping uh, and not not moving properly. How do you keep track if this thing is helping me move forward am i am I moving forward or i 'm just like stuck on optimizing something that 's basically not that important
1: mm. I think this lesson uh I learned this lesson through a lot of conversations with investors. Uh, the North Star, especially at the particular mm. stage of the company, should be the product-market fit. Okay. If you are getting closer to a product-market fit, that will give you a particular like sign you should do this. Like You should optimize on your, let's say, product-market fit. If you're far away from product-market fit, then maybe you should think about different directions. Um, yeah looking at the numbers uh also understanding how customers feel about uh your uh your product it's it's important
0: awesome that's a good great advice to keep your eyes on the price
1: eyes on the price yeah. eyes on the product on the satisfaction not always the price it yeah depends the price on the business. is like it's a metaphor market it's like a, yeah. it's, the, it's the package Are people getting excited? How do they speak about you? What else do they have to tell you about? Also, be careful how much to listen to your customers, because sometimes, actually, in most cases, if you want to innovate in a space, if you just listen to your customers, it will be hard to innovate, Mm -hmm. let's face it. Like In most cases, you need to be able to see beyond your customers' Mm -hmm. words and then understand uh, what's what, what they're saying is really relevant for your business, but what else you can bring to these customers that they haven't expected, but might be below mining. Yeah. Mind-blowing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> awesome, absolutely agree with this. It's, uh, I have a favorite saying from Dan Sullivan, who is one of the, the friends of Peter Diamandis that I've um, uh, found online. And uh, he's saying, ask only the check writers, not the entire um, population that's probably your, mm. your market. Because the check writers, the people that are involved, the parties that are involved can give you a relevant feedback. So basically you are bringing the research, the clinical trial research, and the patients that are looking for alternative ways to uh, find solutions for their health situations closer. This is what you do. Because the problem is?
1: So the problem of healthcare is, um, like the biggest bottleneck of healthcare is data. And because of regulations, because of old traditions, because of a lot of things, because Mm -hmm. of the size of the pharmaceutical Mm -hmm. companies, the connection between patients and the companies is very much broken. If you ask me, the the connection between patients and regulators is also broken. The funny fact is that, it's not even funny fact, but it's interesting fact that The people living, uh, I'm sorry, the people working in the corporations and the companies and the regulators are actually patients as well, but somehow the moment they step into their daily work they forget about that and they start thinking about the KPIs, OKRs, if they have OKRs, but let's say KPIs uh, and all the things that they need to do, all the responsibilities that they need to to do uh, on a daily basis. And you will will hear a lot of um, uh, people saying, hey, now we are becoming patient-centric, we're listening to patients, we want to improve uh, uh, towards more patient-centric world, etc. In reality, they try, but they somehow cannot implement it. What we understand, what we see in Fime Cure, is that if we are to translate patients' needs and patients' reality into analytics for the industry, we can be this bridge between the industry and the patients, and that's exactly what they need translation, mm-hmm. because patients also don't understand how the, the business works. And we see that with the COVID pandemic and all the vaccines and all the conspiracy around the vaccines, etc. And it's like a, a, a never-ending story. Patients don't understand business, business don't understand patients. Uh, and somehow, FiMeCure, cure the company uh, became like got this position in the middle where we understand patients and we understand the business. And what we're trying to do is exactly translate both languages and connect them both.
0: Awesome. Uh, It's a very, very challenging task for uh, uh, one person. How did you get uh, to find your co-founders, as we've heard? One of them is your life partner.
1: Yep. Um,
0: this one was Daisy one, I guess, uh, or not so much. <laughs> I,
1: I can't say who was easier. <laughs> no. <laughs> so basically, both of them uh, were working together already in a, a boutique uh, software uh, company, uh, and they were my ex-colleagues, actually. And I knew that they also understand clinical research because in the company where we work together, uh, we were involved in clinical trials. Not like um, actually involved, mm. but they were doing softwares for clinical research. And I was uh, on the BD team, on the business development team. So I knew that they understand the space. And that's why I, I went to them. And also I needed someone with software engineering experience, mm. obviously. Um, we were friends. uh um, and we we still are friends, right? Um, but back then, uh, uh, these were people that um, understand that understood clinical research, but also knew who I am. And another story there, <laughs> full of stories, I guess. But um, so we decided to start working together on, on finding a cure. I convinced them, and they convinced me. Like we are all happy. And I think two or three months later. We are starting to work together and two, uh, two or three months uh, later, I found out that I'm pregnant and it wasn't planned. Uh, at least that's, I wasn't, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't planning that. I'm just joking. Um, it was uh, kind of a, like in- positive surprise and I was super scared because that was my first child and... Um, you know, everyone speaks about oh, you know, oh, when you're is. a mom, like you can't do business, you can't do stuff. There's no time, and which is true by the way, but it's in a different way. Um, and I was very scared, so I went to my co-founders and I told them that I am pregnant, and I would understand them if they want to quit, because you know, like I I can't promise them anything in mm-hmm. the end of the day. That's my first time. I don't know what will happen, and they were like. Are you kidding us? We know you. Like, you're going to be just fine. Like, we're doing that. <laughs> and we, yes, basically the baby was maybe like six months old or less than six months when we first applied for Techstars. And uh, <laughs> the other part of the story is that when I uh, informed, uh, or, uh, informed uh, my co-founders, um, the other co-founder, not my life partner, but the other one, uh, he, it turned out he's also expecting a baby, his first baby. So we were actually growing up uh, three babies at the same time, three because the business is all, it was also a baby.
0: Having this comparison between a baby and a business like startup uh, is something that I hear quite often. Um, but how do you manage to develop a startup and raise a, a newborn?
1: Mm, yeah, it's a good question.
0: A <laughs> couple of uh, advices for um, wanna be parents or wanna be startup founders.
1: This is. Um, This is exactly, uh, you asked me uh, in a previous question about the analysis paralysis. Mm -hmm. Just don't think about it. That's the only advice that I can give. Just think I need to do it. And, you know, these are the conditions. You have to just do it, right? That's the only advice that I can give because different people have different habits, different, um, you know, needs. Uh, In my case, what helps me is that I'm very, very... Um, like very quick in doing things like, for example, getting ready um, for going out, for example, or um, getting ready for uh, like speaking on a conference, for example, like different stuff. Um, But everyone has its own superpowers, right? So just don't think, how am I going to manage? Just do it. That's it. And that's the only way. You don't have any any other choice. The newborn is there, you have the business, so you just do it. (laughs)
0: Did parenting teach you something about running a business?
1: Yes. It taught me that, Actually, um, it actually taught me a lot of things. Actually, I think that it should be a, like a must, if you are a, a manager to also be able to be surrounded by children as well, even if you don't have a, a child on your own, to at least be surrounded by children and like take care of children in one way or another, because Managing people and and uh, taking care of kids, it's almost the same uh, because what what people don't understand, like grownups don't understand is that we are grownups on the outside, but actually we uh, we behave like children in in a lot of cases. And when you have difficult um, situations with people, it's usually their like kind of like childish background, something within their childhood that that makes them act in one way or another being able to see that it's super precious because then you you have a solution in one way or another and um a lot of other things um not not to quit because with baby you can't quit right like it's uh, super hard to say okay well here you are here you are i don't want to have a baby anymore you know i don't want to have a baby it's crying all all night long it's uh, waking me up uh, like 10 times uh, a night but i don't want to have this baby anymore no you can't do that and well, I'm not saying that with business it should be the same because sometimes with business you have to quit at some point, right? Um, it's slightly different. But let's say um, you, um, you can be a little, a little bit more persistent with, with business once you know what it's like to have a baby as well. Um, and also the other plus that I want to also want to mention is that it gives you a good reason, the baby, the child, and the family, gives you a good reason to take a break. From what you're doing to see a different perspective, because I, for example, I, I like I have a lot of lots of work, obviously, especially like yes, all the time.
0: Second work second doesn't baby now.
1: Second baby now, yes, and I want to be a good mom as well, right? I want to spend time with my with my kids. That's why I have them in the first place, right? So um, I need to spend time on my business, but I need to mm. spend time on my kids. So that that th- that teaches me on being better in time management but also gives me time to change the the focus, to change the perspective. And that's good for me because um, when you are stuck in your ideas, in your execution, for example, you have at least a couple of hours a day when you spend time with your kids for your brain to have a break on the idea, on on the mission, whatever it is that you're thinking, and then go back fresh the next day and think, okay, maybe I was overthinking that. Maybe I was wrong. Or maybe I was so passionate about something and I was like thinking that I'm super right, but I'm not. And that's another aspect that I think um, family, children or friends or hobby can, can help you out.
0: Or a good night's sleep. Or a good night's sleep. Awesome. Uh, parenting is basically becoming the ultimate role, role model for someone. Do you have any role models in business and startup world? Someone that you look up to?
1: Ah, there, you... there are lots of people that I admire. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it very much depends on the situation uh, that you're at the moment. How do you feel? Um, obviously, it's not obvious actually. But for me, uh, but to me, my my parents are a, a great uh, motivator of what to do and what not to do as well. Right? Um, my my grandma. Is actually a person that i admire a lot uh because she taught me on a lot of my mm. soft skills are actually things that i haven't uh, studied anywhere uh, even like the door-to-door selling was a success to me like when i was in the states not because i was just persistent or i, I learned something in the two weeks course that they they taught us basically but because my grandma was Learned, I mean, she she had all the life lessons. She learned how to deal with people, how to engage with people, how to listen to them. Something that we need to, to learn every day. And that's, uh, that's something that I'm trying to learn more and more. Listen, not speak that much, but listen to people. What's beyond their words, et cetera. Um, but in terms of uh, like entrepreneurs and mentors, there are many people that I look up. I don't want to like give names here really, but um, the only thing that I can say here is that there are more and more people in Bulgaria, which is really, really great. Which is great because um, it's so, in, like, it's invaluable to be able to go to someone and to just listen to their story, to take their advice. Maybe it's not even relevant to your business, but just like see another opinion. Right, and actually, within Cure, one of the minuses that we've, it's one of the challenges we've had, is that healthcare startups and healthcare, when we started, especially, wasn't such a big thing here in Bulgaria, and it still isn't that much. After COVID, it's yeah. starting, but it's not. There are not many people we can go to within the healthcare business that we can get advice from. So everything that we had to learn was. Basically, through very hard work, asking for people, pushing hard, code calling, code emails, code whatever you can imagine, <laughs> so that we can develop this network of people who we can go to and um, get advice and move forward.
0: Awesome! This is what I call persistence. So, uh, a question that I had in in my mind from previous conversations that I had with startup founders that did this door to door selling in the states mm. as a, a summer program. Uh, during their university years, um, they told me that this is the easiest way for them uh, to learn how to not accept no to something that brings you down, but basically accept no for like, okay, next, please.
1: I think I was already there when I went to -to door-to-door selling. So it seemed. For, to me, it was eye-opening that I actually enjoyed. It was super interesting that, uh, so it was uh, exactly a student program, uh, many students, um, and I was um, attached to a, a group of English uh, students, and they quit after the first month or something. Actually, I had to quit as well because they all quit, and I was... Uh, Uh, Still 19, 19, yeah, that's uh, not, not, I didn't have a driving license as well and I needed one. Mm -hmm. So I was alone basically in a very poor city uh, because um, General Motors actually left the city uh, and their manufacturing facilities maybe two years before me arriving there. And most people were left without any job basically. So it wasn't like the the type of place you want to go there and sell books to be honest Uh, but I kind of enjoy it because I enjoyed uh, the whole mm, uh, kind of like journey and the whole experience speaking with people and they liked me and it was like nice going to different people's uh, places speaking with them and them saying no was kind of like natural I don't know why maybe because um, I I think I mentioned before the the interview I did ballroom dancing and with ballroom dancing uh, it's not that every time you get the first uh, place, right? Like it's not always that you that you're the winner. So it took me a lot of years, a lot of uh, persistence, so that I actually have some some wins some wins, right? So I think that when I went to the states, I was already prepared to hear the no's, and it was fine by me.
0: Yeah, some, sometimes people are not used to it, and in, especially in the startup world, as as a founder myself mm-hmm. of a, a project, I can say that hearing no can be the most discouraging thing yeah, that you hear. Yeah,
1: it is, it is. Um, and not just with imp- actually, it's a very good idea if you want to be an entrepreneur to start with, uh, with sales, like uh, as a background, mm-hmm. because sales is all about hearing no, 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 no. no and eventually, yes, wow. <laughs> and then you feel like yeah. you're on the moon or Mars or whatever. But yeah.
0: Um, why do you think there are fewer women entrepreneurs? there are some studies that say that there's a huge gap in funding available for Mm -hmm. female founders.
1: I don't think it's the it's the funding. I mean maybe it is as well like don't Mm. get me wrong maybe it is also that the fact that most investors are male right and you know Mm. maybe they feel more comfortable giving money to uh to male and not female for example um but I will yeah I think that Investors are also pretty um, analytical. So if you have a good business idea, and if numbers make sense, I don't think they, do, they won't fund your idea, no matter whether you're a male or a female, right? Um, but um, of course, um, trusting on the other side, uh, when, when, when you see a man, let's say, and you're a man, maybe, maybe that's one of the reasons. But I think the biggest reason is that um, women, we overthink things. We want to be perfect before starting something or doing something. Mm. Uh, we, we don't take risks that, uh, that often. And yeah, I think, uh, the, the, this part with the, like making things perfect is actually the biggest thing that, that, uh, that's in front of our way, uh, um, for becoming entrepreneurs. If we, like I said, with motherhood and par- like, and, uh, being a parent and doing business, like best lessons learned, the lesson again is just do it like What are you going to lose, basically? I mean, people who are going to laugh at you or what?
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's great advice. Um, Just do it. It's an easy thing to say, but people generally uh, tend to focus on small, minor things that they can achieve. Mm -hmm. And here you are, um, directly went through Techstars in London.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: How is this possible?
1: Thanks to my uh, partner in life and co-founder, if you ask me, because um, that's a great example, by the way, for why women uh, are not so often entrepreneurs. Back then, when we applied for Techstars, I didn't believe they would will, they will, uh, accept us. And As a matter of fact, the only person who believed in that was exactly my, uh, my partner in life. Uh, he was like, okay, let's go and apply for accelerators. We were like, okay, let's do it. He said, these are the top three ones. I uh, you know, like five hundred startups, tech stars and um oh I see. Why, why combinator? Yeah, why combinated? <laughs> and with my other co founder, you are like, Are you joking? Like come on. <laughs> we have nothing yet. Like come on. And we're coming from like
0: Bulgaria. Yeah. Southeastern Europe.
1: Exactly. The, I, I mean, we didn't believe. You see, he said, No, I'm gonna do it. And he applied. Actually he literally did all the paperwork. And then they called us back and said, hey, guys, we actually want to have um, an interview with, with you. And um, that's another lesson learned, uh, but not from business, from, let's say, from uh, my ballroom dancing. When you're on stage, you're on stage. So you don't think about, oh, am I, am I going, I'm going to fail and I'm not good enough. You just do your best, right? So on their interviews, I wasn't thinking, oh, they're not going to accept us. I didn't care. I was just there to do my best at the interviews, and uh, it turned out that uh, after I don't know ten interviews with uh, with TechStars, uh, we were actually accepted in two of the uh, in two different locations, and we chose we, we selected um, uh, yeah. London, and it was a great journey.
0: So, what 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 changed things for Find Me Cure in TechStars London? Um, How did the journey change?
1: I, I think I think what changed was uh, our first. Um, um at least mine um experience with working and speaking with investors because these accelerator programs are very good at um it's like educating you uh, educating you what's the startup world like i mean i never when, when it started to uh, cure at least i didn't think oh i'm now starting a startup yay like i'm thinking of i want to bring value like in the form of a business value to patients value to industry and I want to build a product, and I want, I, I want this product to be sustainable and growing, etc. But they teach you on what the, the investor world is like. Um, and that's super important. And the other thing was uh, they, they introduce you to investors. And the conversations with investors are super, super valuable. It was a, a huge challenge for me because it was for the first time to me having such uh, like conversations with investors and definitely not my way of talking, you know, with, you know, the numbers and statistical, I mean, I, I'm a different type of person, but I had to become a different, uh, like similar to investors. And that's a great thing because they taught me how you're supposed to think about your business. Not that you shouldn't be emotional and you shouldn't think about values and missions and stuff. Don't get me wrong. That's also important. But you also have to understand um, the, the blood of your business and the blood of your business is funding the numbers maybe it's not even funding but the numbers like how big you need to quantify the value you're creating to someone yeah. sometimes the value is um, not even related to to money sometimes it's something else but you need to be able to quantify that in one way or another what you know what uh, bodybuilders say what something that you can't measure you can't improve
0: or marketers
1: yes as well or marketers as well (laughs) it's peter
0: drecker quote i think
1: i think i heard it from arnold schwarzenegger so
0: (laughs) awesome um what would you advise other startup founders that are looking for the right program to enroll in
1: you mean like accelerator Accelerator, yes yeah i i can't say it's absolutely mm, the 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 must uh, thing to do Mm-hmm. it very much depends on the stage that you are at like for example for our company Techstars was great and not so great at the same time great for understanding the investor world but not so great for running our business to be honest because we were all so and uh like heads down understanding the investors understanding how we can get how we can fundraise what are the mechanisms um how uh, the world like there? But for example, um, for these months that we were there, we didn't have that much time speaking to our actual customers, for example. Uh, the mentors out were there were not so much within the healthcare space as well. So that was another minus for us. Um, so um, it's a very tricky to choose the exact moment that's good for you to be, become part of an accelerator. So understanding what the accelerator's program And understanding at what stage you are at is very critical. Otherwise you might be losing time. And there were companies that were literally like, I mean, super, super help, uh, super happy with, uh, the accelerator program and others that were like, it was okay. It was, it, it actually, the program is great. It's just for the business development, maybe not so great. It depends. If you're early on with an idea and you know, the market already and uh, you're very much convinced that the market is there, that the need is there, and you just need to get the funding so that you can start building the product, then most likely you're a good fit for an accelerator program.
0: Awesome. Uh, I just wanted to name the the partners in crime here in mm-hmm. Finding Cure, like Miroslav Vouchov and Iva Yosifov, just yes. to because we, we are referring to them as the co-founders, co-founders all the time, exactly. but we need to put... Uh, uh, a name to uh, people that are really fighting to get this uh, thing that mm-hmm. will help a lot of people hopefully more and more uh, in the in the forthcoming years. So I think it's a great way to to say thank you for, for the efforts.
1: If, the, if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be able to be here in so many ways, in so many ways.
0: What would be your advice when people are building teams with co-founders to keep this relation and keep this... Um, Positive attitude with like the challenges that the startups are facing. Mm. How? What's your recipe for successful foundership relationship?
1: If I have to use one word, diversity. So the best way to keep a get balance within a team is um, to be to have a diverse team with uh, uh, like diverse in terms of skills, in terms of emotions, in terms of characters. Uh, what happens usually is that uh, at some point. Some of the people, uh, some of the, let's say, partners are negative, but there is at least one person to just drag them and say, hey, no, let's, let's, let's move back and we can do it. And then uh, another time, this guy will be negative, and then another guy will be positive, for example. So keeping this balance is super important. Uh, knowing um, why you're doing what you're doing. Um, and I think something that really kept us together was well, the, the principles that we have at least similar? I'm, I can't say same, right? Mm. But similar principles. No matter how much you fight or you don't fight or w- whatever happens with the business, um, it's important that you you know that on the other side, this person um, is um, is a true friend of yours, um, and and wants the same thing as you do for the business and in general for the for the for the good sake of the team and making sure that you once in a while we have the the, the the talk okay we are here intervention exactly <laughs> we are here what do you expect what do you expect from me um what do you expect from the company from the team what do you want to how much are you willing to to risk is important
0: awesome. great um we are heading towards the end of our conversations but because you're so positive on everything that you're describing uh, today, what's the biggest challenge? What's the most difficult thing that you have faced uh, in your entrepreneurial journey so far?
1: Other people ask me about the same, the, the same question mm. and I can't answer that, really. I think it's a constant challenge all the time and the biggest challenge is actually you. Like, so my challenge is me, right? Believing in yourself, um, um, reminding myself, why am I risking or doing that and not, you know, I don't know, why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, yeah, moving on, even when I don't believe in what I'm doing, for example. Um, trying trying to be um, uh, critical, humble, uh, confident at the same time, you know. I think the biggest challenge is actually me. And it's a daily challenge, something that because if you want to be a successful entrepreneur, whatever successful means, okay, if you want to grow a business, the most important thing is to grow yourself.
0: Maya, this is absolutely awesome. Um, But of course, in order to be successful, we need to be healthy Mm -hmm. and uh, sane. How do you personally unplug? Because As you said, it's a lot of work on all fields of life.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, you know, the the normal stuff, trying to eat um, healthy as much as possible, doing some activity, sport is great. I love sport. I can't live without sport. Um, Also changing the the activity, the perspective. I told you, Mm -hmm. I think that actually my kids, my family, helps me be more healthy and more uh, focused on the business as well. So they balance because if I have to take care of the kids only, believe me, I'm not going to be more like happier, right? But when I balance things, business and kids, it's actually working pretty well. Uh, Also, it's important to um, realize whenever you are tired because being self-aware. So one thing that I found out in the last couple of years is that I become negative mainly when I'm tired. And usually it's even like physically tired, not so mentally tired, but physically tired. And it's good, um, you know, th- there are coaching sessions and you can go to a coach and therapies, etc. But one thing that they can learn you and you can learn yourself is questioning yourself whenever you feel down. Okay. Do I feel down because really the situation is like bad. Or is it because I'm actually tired, I haven't slept well, there were many things that were going on, um, and maybe I just need some break, maybe a walk in the park or just one day off, whatever, and then things will go back to normal. Just ask yourself, and if you see that there is something in the back end that's stopping you, that's, not, that's preventing you from being your best, like best shape, then take a break. I don't really believe in working 24 hours is the key, to, uh, the, the, the right thing to do. There are other, uh, there are people with more energy, others with not so much. Know yourself and take breaks whenever you need them. It's important. And another thing I want to mention, I will encourage everyone, go to therapy. There is nothing sh- like, uh, shameful. shameful, exactly, in going to therapy. Asking for help is the most natural thing that we we can all do. I personally, when when the whole COVID story happened, um, it wasn't impacting me that much that we were locked. Um, uh, But I saw that, um, I mean, yeah, it was kind of like strange times not seeing the team. I realized that my sort of leadership has to evolve into different style of leadership. Um, also this is when I, uh, with my co-founder and uh, partner in life, we decided that we won't have a second child because it was the perfect timing for, for me not to travel and having the, like the, yeah, fulfill our dream of having two kids. Uh, and I knew that having a second child, second child will be another challenge to my time management and the business, et cetera. And that's when I, I realized that maybe it's time to start seeing a therapist before like having the, the problem mm. before having the, the, the challenges yeah. in my head. And that's a very good uh, thing that I, I mean, I'm super happy with making this decision. And in fact, then we went to the team and we said, hey guys, we all go through different stuff. So if someone wants to, to visit the therapy in one way or another, we want to fund that from the company. We want to encourage you do that because you might think you're all fine, but actually once you start speaking you realize that you needed that so
0: any feedback on that
1: actually people started doing that not everyone but actually more and more people are are open to therapy and enjoyed that and um, it's actually pretty great i just see how they evolve professionally as well yeah like i said if you grow yourself you become better not just in entrepreneurship in everything you do it's a
0: mental fitness uh, i do it as well so Highly recommend that people that really need to go to talk about their emotions or something that's in their minds, uh, and you can control your inner child, knowing 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 it's exactly. there. Exactly. So uh, thank you very much, Maya, for for mentioning it. So for, as the last question of every interview of the Recursive Podcast um, is, um, it's at the gates at the moment. Hmm. What would you want to be remembered for?
1: My smile. I, I have no idea what can I do and what cannot, I cannot do. I will definitely like, try to reach the sky as much as possible. But the one thing that I really want to, uh, and I hope people will remember me with, is uh, my smile. Because smile usually brings good positive energy and feelings. And when people feel well, they also create stuff. And if more people create positive things, then we will be in a better world.
0: Awesome. Maya, thank you for being on the podcast. It has been an absolute pleasure and wish you and your co-founders an amazing and successful journey ahead. Thank you. Tune in next week for the Recursive Podcast. Georgi meets the General Manager at Via Engineering Bulgaria, Boris Simandov.
2: Private cars will go down, by the way. Private, No one will have a private car in the next 10 years.
0: Okay, this was about to be my, my next question. <laughs> how how close are we to this moment now. of time?
2: It's happening at the moment because we're living in an exponential future. Most of the things that we're talking today and we we, we are predicting the future, they will happen faster. Mm. And we're very, very inaccurate in, in prediction, how we predict the future because we are not learn because we don't know how to think exponentially. We, we, like human race and the way our mind is set is to, to think and learn linearly. At the same time, we're living in exponential future of technologies is growing exponential, And that's why everything that we think will happen in 10 years or 20 years will happen earlier, way earlier. And this is the way of everything that you think that may happen in the future. Um, One of the trainings for exponential thinkers and exponential leaders in the world is think that will happen faster most of the things that we're talking about, they will happen faster, way faster.
0: And if you are just as passionate about innovation as we are, hit subscribe for the Recursive podcast on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform. We're everywhere.